Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Dodger Dudes Show with former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and his Sandlot buddy Josh the Duker Luke. The Dodger Dudes talk Dodger baseball, Sandlot stories from their youth, and share what it's going to take for the Blue Crew to win the World Series. Don't forget to answer our weekly poll question and fan poll on Twitter and Facebook. The Dodger Dudes Show is part of the Believe Sports Network online at BLEAV.com. The Dodger Dudes believe in the Dodgers. Do you believe? Welcome back to the Dodger Dude Show. A little bit different emotions uh, than we had yesterday on the show, Brett, but that's how the playoffs go. Everybody in the playoffs is good, and I think we tend to forget that when you win the first game. You're like, we got this. So we go out and we lose the second game. So, man, what's on your mind right now about this series? We're tied 1-1 going to Washington with argue, well, the, well, the two top candidates, arguably, for the Cy Young going against each other. So tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, that, I mean, as a player in that situation, it, it's a tough, it's a tough roller coaster, and that's what the playoffs are—they're a roller coaster of emotions. Um, you know, you, you you go you go ahead and 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 pick off game one and feeling a, feeling super high and everything's great, and then you know, yesterday's game not not where you wanted to be. So I think I think the main thing is 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 Dave rallying the troops. I'm sure there was a little bit of a, a meeting right afterwards, and it, it might have only been you know, one minute, 30 seconds of, Hey, we're okay. You know, we, we, we pick up the pieces from this game. We were in the ball game. And I think that's the big thing. They were in the ball game for one pitch. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, it, singles tie game. Yeah. And it, it came down to, to that. And, and I think, you know, that, and that, I think that comes down to the, the coaching staff, you know, cause you know, the, you got young men in the clubhouse, you have kids that are in their 20 years old and, and, yeah. and some veterans and, and it's an emotional thing. So it, you got to lean on the guys that have been there. You got to lean on the coaching staff that that have the experience to say, "Hey, we're okay." Like we were right in that ball game that could have been gone either way. Where we could have been up two to two zero. So they can't panic, and that's the thing. And it's hard not to think that when you're like, "Oh, we got this in the bag. We're going to sweep these guys." And then you're like, "Oh, well, well wait, it's one one now. It's anybody's ball game." So it's just a matter of of getting on that plane ride today, flying out to Washington, having a nice little workout, nice Stay little loose, dinner, yeah. nice little dinner tonight, you know, have some fun, relax. And it's, 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 it's coming to the ballpark ready to play, which, which everyone is, but yeah, you can't as a human being and, and as a competitor, you can't help to have your, you know, the wind blown out of your sails right there. Cause you, you know, you started off so hot in game one. All right. So as a guy who played in both leagues, you traveled 30 cities regularly. Washington, D.C. is actually my favorite restaurant city. There's a couple there that I love. So is there a restaurant or two in D.C. where you're like, man, because actually it's a fun restaurant. The one I love is called Founding Farmers. It's awesome. It's like a, a farm to table restaurant, but good cocktail stuff like that. Is there a restaurant in D.C. where you'd be like, we got to go there tonight? 
You know, we, I kept it simple in DC. I, we stayed really far away from the city. We stayed out by the Pentagon. So we, yeah, we stayed, there was like a little mall and, and real, you know, we were attached to the mall. So a lot of times dinner was around that there, you know, every once in a while you take a, you know, a cab before, before Uber was even around. That's how ancient I am. You know, you took a cab into the city and we, we, we usually hit the big things like the Morton's and the Capitol grills and stuff like that. But yeah, it's important to do that. It's important to hang out with your teammates and just take a big sigh and say, you know, let's enjoy each other. Let's enjoy this ride. Have a nice steak, you know, a glass of wine. And, and Try to go incognito if you're going into the mall. Uh, that doesn't, yeah, but that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we stick, when that, we walk around the city, we stick out like sore thumbs. Sure, sure. So I saw, uh, I follow, I'm a big Motley Crue fan, as you know, and I followed Tommy Lee on Instagram. And he was at the game last night, and uh, he was total full hoodie hat low so you like you wouldn't even have known he was there so yeah see and they probably had sunglasses on maybe which yeah. is a huge pet peeve of mine you can't have sunglasses on in a night game well, that, that definitely will draw attention right that, that, <laughs> that's one of my my innermost pet peeves as a human being is the sunglasses on indoors or at a night function i'm with you on that man so and we probably <laughs> grew up in la so so we you see it all the time yeah so so let's talk about the game and then let's talk about game three so bellinger and paul like 0 for 7 in the series tell me your thoughts on that yeah, that's, I mean, we talked about that extensively that those guys had to come into the, the playoffs and kind of, I don't want to say prove something, but try to get off to a hot start because you can't, you know, we talked about streakiness and, and, and that's been, you know, I hate to say it, but Kershaw and Bellinger, there's a big, you know, stigma about Kershaw in the playoffs, can't get it done. And then Bellinger struggles, you know, the last couple of years. So, you know, you're really rooting for those guys to come out and kind of say like, yeah, not this year. And it hasn't been the case. So, you're, I didn't, I didn't think, I, we can get into a little bit, but I don't think Kershaw threw that bad. Um, I, I think he got in some trouble here and there. But, you know, Bellinger, and you got you to gotta remember, and we said this before, you're facing the best pitchers. You're facing yeah. the frontline starters and the back end of the bullpen, the guys that are electric and that have that, that shut down, throw the ball by you guys. Yeah, and I, I actually was off on that. It's not 0 for 7. They were 0 for 8 yesterday uh, and both 0 for the series, although Belly had a couple key walks in the first game. So, hey, you mentioned something that I think um, that I wanted to dig a little deeper on, but um, tell me, is is Bellinger's, um, you know, 0 for 2 in the first game, 0 for 4 yesterday, is that more of a result of the fact that they're pitching around him and he's not getting opportunities, or is that just bad luck? I mean, you've been watching the games. What do you think? No, I, I don't think they're pitching around him at all. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're attacking him. It's hard him. to I, on this roster, right? Yeah, and I, and I don't think I don't think you have pitchers on the mound like a, a Scherzer and a Strasburg. I, they're not scared. They're not scared to go up there. I think they would get pitched around if the game was on the line in a crucial situation. Um, and you had the opportunity with an open base and a little bit of a, a lead, which, you know, last night it came down uh, that Scherzer was attacking guys in that eighth inning uh, when he needed to do it, and he came up big. But, you know, I don't, I don't think they're pitching around him all. He's, he's had pitches to hit. Um, he's, again, having trouble laying off that off-speed pitch, which has kind of been his, his nemesis in the last couple of years. And, and, and to the credit of – Scherzer and Strasburg, you, you don't get much better than than those guys breaking balls. So let's go to Kershaw too, because I brought something up a month ago, and you're like, "Hey, I, I don't know if that's true. Let me let me check." You called one of your friends who's a beat writer for the Dodgers, and he said, "Yeah, I don't know if that's true either." I had said, "Hey, dude, I have Kershaw on my fantasy team, and this guy struggles in the first inning." And remember, we covered this on the show where yeah. you're like, "I got the stats, and you're right, dude. He's really struggling." 
and, and we saw that yesterday. And I said it to my brother and my dad before the game started, and they both said, you're just nervous. I'm like, no, like, honestly, this guy struggles to get the first three outs. So, Brett, if you look back at the last six, six games that you've started, and you've told us a few times you had one season in particular where you really were in your own head trying to figure things out. Do you go down in the bullpen or during warm-ups? Or are you doing a simulated game in your head to try and just get through this? Or what, what are you thinking when you're Kershaw going, why can't I get outs in the first inning? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. We, we were talking about that. We couldn't figure it out. And Ken Gernick is a beat writer for uh, MLB. And uh, I texted him, and he finally, after we had done the podcast, texted me back. And his ERA in the first inning is like seven point something. And so, I mean, that's, that's a big difference between going out there and, and you know, and you're, talking, yeah. <laughs> and you're talking about a guy that had like a sub two ERA for the season. So, you yeah. know, after the first inning, he's lights out. And, you know, it's, it, it can be a range of things. We've talked about a little bit more extensively, but yeah, I tried everything. I tried simulated games down at like, Hey, we're going to throw my whole first inning in the, in, in the bullpen. You're going to call pitches. I'm going to have one of the coaches stand in, like I'm facing a hitter and that's, that's all fine and dandy when you're trying to figure things out. But I think when it really comes down to it, it's the emotion. It's the intensity of that. You can't simulate getting out there at the start of a game and getting into a rhythm. Rhythm is a big thing. I think rhythm as a hitter, rhythm as a pitcher, if you can get into that rhythm, and that's why I, I said a lot too, that's why the Dodgers had to jump on uh, Scherzer and Strasburg early because, you know, if those guys get into a rhythm and get comfortable with their pitches and, and find the shape of their pitches and start pounding the strike zone, you know, they, they, they're that good. And Kershaw's that good that once he has that feeling, he feels like he can do anything with the ball. And, and, and Kershaw struggled with that. So, you know, I, I think it came down to Kershaw the first three innings he must not had a uh, have had a great feel for his breaking ball he was throwing his cutter slash slider i think he calls it a slider um a lot and it's been a great pitch for him but that big overhand curveball which has been kind of his bread and butter you know his whole career i think i heard one time during the telecast that he had only thrown it two times in the first three innings and i felt like guys they're just seeing hard 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 and guys were laying off the cutter down below the zone so if he could have mixed in a little bit something softer to disrupt their timing and maybe just got a strike, but there, there must've been a reason he must not have had a feel for it, but I felt like there were times that he could have, you know, ahead in the count, maybe dropped a backdoor curveball to try to get, you know, his release point and, and find a rhythm with it. Cause I think it would have helped them. Man. Oh man. I think the first pitch of the game was a double, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I mean, right off the bat, you're <laughs> like, he's on the ropes and that's, yeah. And that happens. And, and, and the funny thing is, is you don't manifest it, but you know your struggles in the first inning. Yeah. And it's hard not to when that happens. Your first thought is like, here we go again. I can't get yeah. guys out in the first inning. And, you know, as good as any superstars, Hall of Famers, that, that doubt in your head pops in there. I don't care how good you are. It's just a matter of how fast you can get it out of there. So – you know, I, I personally hate it when guys start talking about fantasy sports, but I always do it on this show. But the reason <laughs> I do it is because that means that's my way of saying I watch this player's stats every day. Okay. And that's how I, I noticed Kershaw's first inning struggles over the last year. It's actually been more than the last year that he struggled in the first inning, but um, Doolittle has not pitched well in the last six weeks. He was on my fantasy team. I kept him inactive. And last night he goes out. He's their only lefty, as we pointed out on yesterday's show. And he gives up a bomb to Muncy. And it wasn't just a, a barely get out of the yard bomb. It was a straight bomb, drop the bat, bat flip as you're still swinging bomb. Um, <laughs> left, left on left crime. How does that change the game when you're only lefty now? I mean, Doolittle's an experienced guy. He's had some success. I think he's got a ring, right? So 
So he probably can overcome it. But, but what does that do to you as a coach when you're like my only lefty just got absolutely shellacked in three batters? Or four what, batters. It do, what it does is it makes you bring Scherzer in in the eighth inning. You know, he has to pitch tomorrow. That's exactly <laughs> what right. happens. There's a, that panic button. Like that's the, the horn in the back of your head saying, oh, no, we're, like we can't, we can't afford to give this up. Let's bring in you know, Mad Max to come try to shut down the eighth inning. And it's exactly what he did. Um, you know, uh, I want to go back to a little bit, a little bit about the hitters and the starters and, and go on the opposite end of Strasburg. You know, you got to give him some credit. It's not, it's not just the Dodgers hitters can't get it done. It's you're facing a guy that could possibly win the Cy Young. I, I think you talk it, you saw it, you're going to see three or four of the guys that have a chance to win it. Scherzer, Strasburg, Ryu, and Kershaw. And, and Strasburg in the postseason, he now has the lowest ERA of any starting pitcher in history with at least four starts, 0.64. We've got to change that next time Passing out. Sandy <laughs> Koufax, which, you know, you got you, you know, it's easy to sit there and criticize, you know, the Dodgers that they're, oh, they're not getting done and Bellagers can't, can't get hits and these guys can't. They're striking out too much, which they struck out a ton. And, and I read a couple things where, like, how can they not lay off those sliders in the dirt? Well, it's hard, especially when you've got a guy like Strasburg who, you know, his pitches are just, you know, that good. And, and it, it, it's, it's hard to look through that sometimes and say, you know, he's just doing his job. I read a stat that Strasburg has thrown 1,036 curveballs this year and only given up 25 hits. That's, that's like a 162 batting average, which is unbelievable. And then go even farther, his change-ups through a 701 change-ups and only gave up 16 hits. So you're talking about a guy that has a pitch that, you know, virtually, I don't want to say is unhittable, but, you know, is, is not a pitch you can square up very good. So as, as much as we want to say the Dodgers hitters aren't getting it done, sometimes you just got to give credit to the pitcher saying, hey, they're just, they're just a little bit better on this day. Yeah, and I don't know when the Cy Young voting takes place, but if the deadline hasn't passed already, Kershaw just eliminated himself last night. And, and you can say what you want, but the, the lasting impression of, of your last outing in the playoffs goes a long yeah. way. When, when the four of you are – and he was already fourth in that race anyway because he didn't finish strong. But what I'd love to see on this Dodger Dude show is the guy who is the top candidate come out in, in Washington – tomorrow with uh, on sunday and stake his claim and that's engine ryu i mean we need a big game from ryu uh brett what does he need to do as a pitcher what's on his mind right now if there's two or three things he's thinking about beyond just the normal i gotta pitch good what's he game planning in his head right now and he for this for this game in particular if you're in his place well i think he's got to do exactly what he's done the last you know three and a half weeks um he's gotten back to to the Ryu that, that started the season and started the all-star game and, and really commanded his pitches. Uh, his, his slider cutter, you know, is his big thing. And, and the last few weeks, he's thrown it a lot better. The main thing is pounding the strike zone. The Dodgers pitchers last night, they, got, they started getting behind guys. And that's, as a pitcher, the one thing you don't want to do. If you're yeah, pitching you behind in the count and your off-speed pitches aren't as sharp as you want, it's a recipe for disaster. So, you know, as, as a starting pitcher, you want to control the tempo of the game. You want to come out there aggressive and you want to you know, establish that you're going to pound the strike zone and, and you're going to be that pitcher. And I think Ryu, you know, in a one, one series coming out there, you know, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, especially you're in a hostile environment. You're on the road. Um, you got to try to block all that out of your mind and stay with your game plan, which is, 
come out aggressive, pound the strike zone, establish early command, and, and attack the hitters. And and hopefully, you know, he pitches like the last three weeks and the guy that that all the Dodger fans have have grown to love, um, because it's a crucial situation. And, and then on the other hand, you got Scherzer out there. That's you know I. I you know, coming in, having him come into the game, I thought, you know, this could be a great thing or a bad thing because if he comes in and he struggles a little bit, you know, there's a confidence thing sure. that happens. You know, if he struggles a little bit and then he goes into the start where he's like, ah, I wasn't on, on you know, on what I wanted uh, in that relief appearance, then there's a little bit of doubt in your mind when you go out there. But he goes out there and punches out the side and looks phenomenal. So he's got to be flying home today feeling pretty good about his start tomorrow. And it's, you know, it's one of those situations where you just – you have to – as a team collectively band together and, and keep pushing forward and, and, and try to establish early, like, Hey, we're still around this. So this is playoff time. And I'm totally a sucker for this ever since 88, when the bulldog Hershiser literally came out of the bullpen every game he needed to, to get us that world series. But um, so during the normal season, regular season, Brett, when you're uh, on a five starter rotation with no bye week, um, what is your normal routine for a starting pitcher two days before? Because Scherzer came in yesterday. Um, is it normally just to show a quick, uh, throw a quick bullpen? What's your normal routine during the season uh, uh, two days before a start? I think there's two different um, schools of thought. Um, you know, when I, when I did it, it was you pitch, you had your big workout day the next day, um, you know, try to flush your arm, play some long toss. Then your second day was a bullpen day. And you did your bullpen and you had two full days off of just playing catch. Um, the new school that, that especially towards the end of my career, they kind of flip flop the day. So that, that first day after your start was a, a long toss conditioning day. The next, the next day was another just play catch day. And then guys threw their bullpen on their third day, which would have been Scherzer's day yesterday. And it was more, especially late in the season, it was more just a, we called it a touch and feel bullpen where you weren't going all out. You weren't really sure. trying to like you know, work on things in terms of like, I got to go, you know, 90% to really, you know, get the feel of my slider. Cause at this point in the season, you, you got what you got, yeah. you know, it's not like, it's not like you're developing, developing a pitch and you're working on a new pitch, like a new cutter or something like that. They have it. And Scherzer's, you know, sometimes, especially the older guys and maybe Scherzer's, you don't throw any bullpens, you know, you might not throw any bullpens and you just might save the bullets. So him coming in, you know, he might've been fresh already. It's or very if you're Korean like Ryu, like you, don't well, throw see, and you talk about the, the, the Asian guys, the Japanese and Korean guys, they throw all the time. It's, yeah. it's the complete opposite of the American way they're throwing almost every day. So, you know, they, they, I don't see how they do it. I can remember, uh, uh, Sasaki with uh, Seattle when I was there most of that we have a thing called dead arm as pitchers like especially when you get to spring training and you're throwing a lot you the ball just doesn't come out crisp like there it, I I, I kind of equate it sometimes when you throw a ball it almost feels like you just got an egg in your hand and the egg just like pops out and sometimes it feels like a rock and you know when it feels like a rock and there's just not that zip you we called it a dead arm and what pitcher <laughs> what the American pitchers would do is take some time some light catch not overdo it on the other hand, the Japanese guys and the Korean guys, they would throw more. They go out Keep there and throw it. They throw like a 200-pitch bullpen to like work through it. So, you know, there's different schools of thought, and it, and it really all depends on the guy. Um, yeah. Younger guys, I felt like I could throw every day, all day. You know, let's throw bullpens every day in between. And as I got older, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to even see that now until my start. So what does the day before the start look like in, in the old school and the new school? Is it like nothing at all? Is it like not even a catch the day before? 
the day before it's usually a little bit of catch you know yeah. you go out and play a little catch and just and it all depends it might be we we call them flat grounds for for people that the terminology flat ground is like you know you you play your normal catch you come back you move the the guy in and you're like maybe 50 feet from each other and your catch partner will squat down just like he's a catcher and you'll just sure. throw nice and easy and just you know throw some easy breaking balls and and easy changeups just to kind of get a feel to work downhill. Cause as pitchers, we always wanted to work downhill. We're on a big mound. We're trying to throw the ball down. So if you can force yourself on flat ground, throwing the ball down, when you get on the bump, it's going to be a lot uh, better and easier. Interesting. So I actually was sitting, I had seats uh, on the right field foul pole at Anaheim about probably about eight years ago. And Verlander was starting for back then the Tigers. And so he was doing his flat ground um, right in front of me. I was literally like the umpire. The catcher was three feet in front of me. I was actually a little scared that he might throw a wild pitch and it would knock me out. But um, his, his curveball literally was breaking six feet from, from high right to low left, you know. And so is that, is that, does every pitcher do that flat ground before they go to the bullpen on a start day as well, or is that just part of Burr's routine? Um, I think everyone has their own little routine. Mine was long toss, come in, and I literally would throw one of each pitch. I didn't do yeah. it a lot. You know, I, I had trouble. I, I don't know if I was just weird or not good. I had trouble throwing my curveball on flat ground. My curveball was always better when I got on mound. I don't know if it was just the natural gravity of the mound. Throwing down um, hill, yeah. So when I, when I would throw my curveball flat ground, it just, I could never really get on the top of it. Um, you know, and, and it's all preference. Some guys like flat ground. Some guys don't. Some guys just like the, the idea of seeing a catcher down. Greg Maddox, we, we talked a little bit about him. He threw against a wall. I, I started doing that because right, then you that. can really – I wouldn't feel bad if I was bouncing curveballs in the dirt <laughs> where the guys <laughs> had to pick it because the wall wasn't going to complain. But, you, you know, that was a way and, – and his philosophy was he wanted to drive the ball down um, at the base of the wall. And it was the same thing. He didn't have to worry about a guy catching him, bouncing it, like hitting his shins or, or toes. So, you know, I think it's just all – whatever works in your head – to get you in the right frame of mind or the right spot sure. before you get into that bullpen um, to, to get your 35 to 40 warm-up pitches, you got to do it. So there you go, folks. I mean, uh, we're putting you on the field. Now you, you know about dead arm. You know about the flat ground <laughs> routine. Uh, and, and Brett said something. And by the way, if you got kids and you're just starting to coach Little League 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds, I'll tell you, he said something that was one of the two things I just continually repeated to my pitchers, just pound the strike zone. That's all that matters in Little League is pound the strike zone. And then when the kids would get 3-0, I would say, I would literally, this is probably mean as a dad to do this to other kids, but I would say, make him beat you. Don't, no walks on this team. We don't walk anybody. Serve it up. I literally would tell my pitcher, yeah, absolutely. serve it up. Make this kid beat you, and you'd see the other kids start trembling, man. Listen, I'm I'm right in the thick of little league, like uh, like almost obsessive into the little league, and it's the same thing. Like that's what I tell all my pitchers: we we have Serve to throw strikes. Up. We Serve have to. And I and I tell you what, you know, it may sound so elementary, but it you know nine or ten year old to a big leaguer, if you don't throw strikes and you walk people, you're gonna get hurt. And we saw it, we saw it last night. There were a couple key walks in situations where. It advances a runner to second where it gets him into scoring position or a leadoff walk. Leadoff walks, I think the stats score 75% of the time. So walks are not good and at any level, 8, 9, 10-year-old to the big league. So, yeah, pound the strike zone consistently. I'm with you on that, man. Well, hey, I'm going to go out on a limb so you don't have to and say that the winner of tomorrow's Dodger Nationals game will be the Cy Young Award winner because I believe the, the lasting impression, the final impression is a lasting impression, and I think it's that close. 
I think it's reused to lose, I'll be honest with you. So I think if he can go out and get a W tomorrow, it puts an exclamation point on it. Brett, I'm going to go with a, a low-scoring game, no more than five runs. I'm going to go with a 3-2 victory Dodgers. Um, I'm going to see Ryu go six innings and then just be crafty with our bullpen and put those guys to work, and hopefully we can get into their bullpen. What do you think? Well, I, I hope you're right. I hope he goes out there and does what he does because, I mean, he deserves it. He's had a great year, um, and, and I think he deserves a Cy Young. So you want him to go out there and kind of cement. And, and I, think, I think the voting – I think – I don't know if it's happened, but the postseason's not supposed to weigh into it. It's not supposed um, to. No, it's not supposed to. But um, yeah, I hope he goes out and does that. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a few more runs. I think there's whether it's the bullpen gives it up, but I'm going to say it's going to be like a six to five game. Well, that plays out well for our boys in blue because those are the late inning guys right there. I mean, they come on in the seventh and eighth inning. So. Hey, guys, we're going to try and bring you a show after each game during the playoffs. And, guys, hey, just everybody stay calm, relax. <laughs> right. The other National League series is one. Everyone go out and have a nice dinner just yeah. like the Dodgers are doing. Yeah. Relax. A fun, nice dinner. Okay. <laughs> right. The other series is one-to-one, too. Nail-biter games there. It's been fun. I love uh, playoff baseball, man. It's that time of year. Hey, Brett, thanks for all your input. Thanks for putting us on the mound, reminding us to pound the strike zone, and, and telling us a little bit about dead arm and flat ground. So, We'll talk to you guys after game three, and hopefully it'll be a victory, and we'll be up two to one. Thanks again. All right. Let's go get game three. All right. Go Dodgers. We believe in the Dodgers. We hope you do, too. Thanks for tuning in to the Dodger Dudes Show with the former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and Josh the Duker Luke. Whether you're at the stadium, on your couch, or at work, don't forget to interact with the hosts on social media at the Dodger Dudes on Twitter and Facebook. That's the Dodger Dudes on both Twitter and Facebook. Check out other SoCal sports podcasts at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Now go vote on our Twitter and Facebook fan poll and tune in again soon. Game on. Feel the sweat though, ready to go. Game on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.